Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. He has a crown of silver that reaches to the sky. He is, of course, an attorney. He's a justice correspondent for The Nation. He is the author of Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. New York Times bestselling author, the one and only Ellie Mastal. Hi. Hi, Karen. How are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you? I, well, you know, everything is kind of going crazy because, you know, we're having the season finale of the January 6th committee uh, hearings going on. Adam Schiff just dropped new tapes, new mixtapes from the Secret Service uh, uh, <laughs> about all the stuff that they knew. Um, so it's a pre- pretty exciting day if you, if you get excited about uh, white men um, getting away with crime. Well, see, so that's why I don't spend a lot of time. I have not spent, I smith, let, let's say, have I spent, I have not spent more than maybe a full couple of hours on January 6th in the last year. Yeah, I don't talk about it much. You know why? There's not a damn thing we can do about it. And everybody could go to jail and it won't change the conditions that we're under. It won't bring back voting rights. It won't restore reproductive rights. It's not going to make people stop being racist and stupid. It's it's going to it's not going to change anything. And I'm about change and leaning into things that can empower us. I, I can't lean into this. I know this is your bailiwick. So you have to, you know, this is your, you know, this is what you write about our democracy, but it's already done as far as I'm concerned. I just need to prepare us for what's next, which is to make sure everybody in my purview is healthy, wealthy and wise. And, you know, even when we were in bondage, even after after reconstruction, we still found a way to build Black Wall Street, Rosewood, Wilmington, Greenwood. I mean, we we still were able to figure out how to thrive. And this is no different to me. The people have always been people. The white power structure has always been the white power structure. Ellie Mastal What's different now. I, you're you're not wrong. I'm just oh, okay. Just, all right, all right. I was just, I was just I feel wondering. A bit okay. Like, man, this is a Wendy's. I'm just <laughs> I'm just a justice correspondent, and I have to still believe that justice is possible. And the, here, I'll put it like this: the reason why January sixth is important to me is not because uh, uh, I think that accountability will ever truly happen to Donald Trump and his white supremacist cronies. It's because it's 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 important to me because it's got to be a warning to the next guy, right? Because right now, if Trump gets away with all of this, if he just if he gets away with all of this and nothing ever happens to him, then all the next guy would have learned is that you can totally do a coup in this country if you're not an idiot like Donald Trump, right? Like that that is that is what happens if he gets away with all of it. If he's held accountable for at least some of it, then the next guy and the next guy and the next guy, President Ron DeSantis, President Josh Hawley, President you better, Tom You Cotton, better stop cussing on my airwaves. Is, I'm maybe, you better stop saying <laughs> swear words, sir. Stop maybe it. Maybe they don't, uh, maybe they are not so easily convinced into doing a coup themselves. I, I, That's why I got to hope. I, yeah. I I'm not as hopeful as you are. Uh, I don't have as much hope, Uh, but I also think people don't do things because because here's how I think humanity works. And you're a dad of children. Just because you got caught, people always think they're smarter than the other guy. So even the accountability, because I I think if that were the case, the death penalty would work. And it does not. It's not. It does not make someone go. Hmm. Oh, so I could find an electric chair or be in a firing before a firing squad if I go into the school and kill everybody. 
I, I look, I don't think the death penalty works. I don't think that deterrence works um, as a criminal justice tool writ large. Uh-oh. When you're talking about this one, when you're talking about one guy, okay. Okay. right? When you're talking about one guy, one man, one position, one office, I think there is a chance that 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 it could work. And and I and I think that it's important to hold the otherwise most if if the if the president of the United States is not accountable to the law, then he is truly above the law, and 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 that's that's not a, that's not a democracy. That's that's something else, and maybe that's the and maybe that's the the world we've been living in this whole time without knowing. Um, but but that is that is something else uh, than a than a democratic republic. Okay, well I think we've been living in something else for. Well, look, for don't get me wrong. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna get held to come because I because I, I don't think Merrick Garland is gonna do it. Look, I think the January sixth committee has been great at telling this narrative. Uh, uh, in terms of elucidating the truth, you know, I, I like to say that people act like Mitch McConnell is some kind of brainiac, um, evil genius that has never been wrong. He was wrong about this. Letting Nancy Pelosi and her crew run this hearing instead of bringing it into the Senate where he could have had his uh, bad faith actors like Lindsey Graham and Josh Hawley kind of gum up the works. McConnell not letting, not having any control over this process was a mistake because without the knuckleheads, the January 6th committee has been able to tell a very clear and I think convincing narrative. But Congress is not a law enforcement agency. Right. So at the end of the day, for actual charges to happen, whether it's for January 6th, whether it's for espionage, whether it's for tax fraud, whatever we're gonna, whatever it is, all of that federally has to run through the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland, and that to me has been the yeah. weakest link in this chain. Yeah, I mean, if not for Letitia James, but even that, you know, eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Ellie Mustal is here. You know, as you're talking, I'm also thinking, you know, um, all of this Herschel Walker abortion. Nothing changed in the polls. He had a record day of, of fundraising after it came out that he did pay for an abortion for, from a woman that he also had a child with. And the fact that he can't string together two coherent sentences means nothing. So to your to you know, to counter your point, Ellie, even though they put together what I think is a very convincing case that this president obstructed justice, uh, actually participated in a coup. It was a coup. It, all of them should be brought up on tre- charges of treason. The American people, the American people who support him can't be convinced. <laughs> they still think there's a pizza parlor with children being molested in a basement somewhere. They they still think that January that that the election was stolen. We have people on a ballot that are running on this as a ticket item and they are leading in the polls. And I feel like this is that we don't live in a democracy and more importantly, let me just give you exhibit A. I wake up this morning to uh JP Morgan Chase uh, trending. And I was like, oh, I got some accounts there. Let me click this. Let me see. Did Jamie Dimon step down? Did something happen? Did the market, blah, blah, blah. I click on it. And it's the story running about how JP Morgan uh, sent Kanye West a letter and that uh, they are, rege- you know, they want him, they give, they're giving him X amount of days to remove all of his accounts from their bank. And I was like, I've been in business for the better part of 25 years, I have about 12 accounts at different banks. I've never seen a bank 
operate this way. But I was like, let me dig in. Okay, the source. First story, New York Post. And it's page six. I was like, isn't that a gossip page? Okay. (laughs) Then TMZ had the story. And I was like, okay, at least they were nominated for a Pulitzer at some point. but, But I don't get my news from TMZ. And then I'm looking at the source. Every single story, the source was Candace Owens and her Twitter page. And I'm reading a story and I'm like, first of all, I don't know, Ellie, how many bank accounts I'm not going to get in your business. But in the story, she posted a a picture of the bank letter and it started, yay, Y-E comma. And I'm like, I know that that's his name, but it would still be Mr. West all day long. Right. I just I'm I'm so confused why this was trending, how people are arguing with me about its validity. I was like, I didn't see one story that said we reached out to J.P. Morgan for comment and they didn't. <laughs> you know, I just I saw none of the journalistic ethics that I teach. So I spent I did a master class today at Hunter College where I dissected. I went through word by word, sentence by sentence of why this is a journalistic nightmare that people are spreading and then it's trending, and I'm like, if it could be true, but none of the elements that make it true are in there. There's no verification. There's no re- I said, even the Adidas, Adidas came out with a statement that we can, it comes officially from Adidas. There's no statement from JP Morgan, Chase either denying nor, de- it's weird to me where we are. So I have no faith that we have even the capacity to digest information in a way that leads to action. So two points. Uh, well, three points. The first point, obviously, yes, we are all, all going to die. This is Thank this you. is how democracy ends. <laughs> obviously, okay, <laughs> right. I agree. Um, point number two. Th- this goes to show the incestuous nature of white wing media, and I call it white wing media, even though I understand that there are black people like Candace Owens who participate in it. But it's fundamentally um, by, for, and controlled by white supremacist people. And what you, what you see is that it's a closed loop. It's a bunch of white supremacists talking to other white supremacists and their um, occasional black colleagues um, about the same thing to each other, kind of with universal confirmation bias, with no outside input, with no facts, with no, uh, with no and, and as you pointed out in your, in your dissection of the story, without even the attempt to go find facts. This is not, as, as you point out, this is a thing that we can know. JP Morgan is a publicly traded co- company. We, they have press people. We can call them and be like, did you suspend Kanye's? We could, we could, we live in a world where we don't have to wonder. But in white wing media, there's no need to do that because they've all said it to each other. So it must be true, right? So that's my second point. My third point, you realize that this is how the Supreme Court works now, right? Say what? Like this, this, this little microcosm that's happening on TMZ and the New York Post and uh, about Kanye. This is how arguments get made to the Supreme Court right now. It is a closed circuit of white wing individuals and federal society members who are talking to each other. The Supreme Court justices or their clerks or their wives are in that closed loop conversation, and instead of looking at things like previous president. Uh, statutory interpretation, all of these normal things that a judge would do before making a decision, Supreme Court decisions now kind of are pre-made in this white wing cabal and are merely, merely announced by the court six to three when the case is, 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 is decided. This is scary. Uh, allow me to retort 
That is the book. Ellie Mastal is the man, uh, the myth, the legend. He is here today. The number is 866-801-8255 if you want to engage in conversation with this gentleman uh, who is an amazing mind. I love talking with him. Um, I also want your perspective, uh, and there's just a story now since you brought up the Supreme Court. Supreme Court just rejected Trump's request to dis- uh, in dispute over Mar-a-Lago documents. Uh, they, they handed former president a loss today. Uh, the Justice Department, uh, with the Justice Department, over the documents seized from Mar-a-Lago, rejecting his request that a special master be allowed to review classified papers. And just a point of uh clarification on this show we do not um we do not talk about white supremacy because it's a non thing there's no such thing it's, it's almost an oxymoron to put that together we talk about white power structures we talk about uh white fragility and white terrorism and you know uh, mediocrity white <laughs> supremacy to me even that term gives you know bolsters the whole notion there's nothing <laughs> supreme about this this power structure other than keeping the level so low that um a slug can get underneath this limbo uh bar because it's just it's it's embarrassing actually where we are right now and the ignorance is stunning uh so the supreme court obviously can do some things when it when it has to yeah, so I'm not surprised that the Supreme Court rejected Trump's appeal because it was ridiculous from the start. It goes to show how ridiculous and corrupt the Trump judge Eileen Cannon was who started this process, right? So like I, I, when, when, when you have the Supreme Court, which itself has quite a few Trump judges on it, even being like, no, that Trump judge is crazy. Like when you get to that level, that really shows you the the level of uh, of just how far afield Eileen Cannon got off on when she ruled in Trump's favor in the first instance. But I always try to bring it back to this, at least since she became in the news. I've been trying to bring it back to this because you have people need to understand how deep the rot is and how structurally incompetent we are at protecting ourselves from Republican justices. Eileen Cannon was confirmed after Trump lost the election. He confirmed 14, Mitch McConnell confirmed 14 federal judges to lifetime appointments in the lame duck after Trump lost the election. So while he's out here doing a coup, Mitch McConnell still confirming judges. Eileen Cannon was one of them. She uh, was confirmed with, with 56 votes. Now, people who can remember what happened five seconds ago will remember that back in in 2000, the lame duck uh, Republicans only had 53 votes. Dianne Feinstein, Joe Manchin, Chris Coons voted for Trump judge Eileen Cannon in the lame duck session after Donald Trump had already lost. You don't even know who your friends are sometimes, right? Sometimes it'd be your own people. So (laughs) the, 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 the inability or the unwillingness of Democrats to fight all of these people to, to cede no ground to the Trumpization of the federal courts you see it in a person like Eileen Cannon. So yeah, the Supreme Court rejected the appeal because the repeal was stupid, right? And then people forget, like the Supreme Court is willing to do many things to service Donald Trump, but their true master is not Donald Trump. It's Leonard Leo, y'all. <laughs> their true master Who? is Leonard Leo. He's, Who is the, he's, this? The, he's the head of the federal society. He just got $1.6 billion from some elect tech magnate 
um, to further shape the courts. Leonard Leo is the person who has constructed the Federal Society and the general right-wing takeover of the Supreme Court. The master of a Clarence Thomas, of a Samuel Alito, is not and has never been a Donald Trump. It is the, the larger Republican agenda. Um, and and, and, and the, the problem that Trump keeps having is that he thinks that the Supreme Court is going to be personally loyal to him. They're not. The Supreme Court is personally loyal um, to the Republican agenda and to the, 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 you know, like white supremacy. So I'll just say the, the white dominated um, view of the Constitution that existed in 1787. <sighs> All right. Um... So that's where we are. I, 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 I'll I'll say this: the, the 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 don't give the court too much credit for rejecting this argument because the court this term is on a warpath to take away rights. See, one of the one of the things people need to understand: one of the only things holding the Supreme Court back from taking away rights was the fear that if they did so, people would revolt. Now, there were always justices, Clarence Thomas among them, who were just like, no, ain't, ain't, they ain't going to do nothing. We should just YOLO and, and, and do what we got to do. So Roe v. Wade, the, the decision uh, uh, this summer with, with Dobbs overturning Roe v. Wade, that was the test case. And guess what, Karen? Ain't nobody revolt. Ain't, 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 nobody, ain't nobody kind of rejected uh, the authority of the Supreme Court. They smooth call, turned, overturned 50 years of precedent, um, overturned a key right, um, a, a key woman's right. Understand that it's the first time in American history that a right once given has been taken away. First time in American history, and ain't nobody done nothing. So, with that as the precedent, the Supreme Court is like coming back this year, being like, "Oh, we got some other rights that we're gonna go take away," and they're gonna take and 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 so this term will be about the Supreme Court taking away other rights because they know they can and they know ain't nobody going to stop them it's going they're going to do take away more voting rights they're going to take away affirmative action um okay. and on down and, the list and, and how does that i mean affirmative action by and large has benefited more white uh so-called white women than uh than it has black people you know and others white people asians everybody benefited uh greatly than we did uh black people which it was designed to address the disparities the racial disparities for the 400 years that we were, you know, in bondage and through Jim Crow. That said, uh, what's your greatest fear, Ellie, as somebody that is a, you know, constitutional law student, you're out here fighting justice on this level, you've written a whole book, you know, kind of examining the Constitution, allow me to retort. What is your biggest fear? From this court? Yes. I that We don't get to vote anymore. I mean, <laughs> put simply... John Roberts has been an enemy of black people voting for his entire career. And he now has five conservative extremists that also do not take kindly to black people and minority people voting. And so the idea, the, the core idea, see, I only, count, I only count America as a democracy starting in 1965. Before the Voting Rights Act of 1965, we are an apartheid nation. And I know that rankles some people when I put it that way. But in a world where black people do not have equal access to a ballot, that is what you call that. When, 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 when that, that unequal access to the ballot is enforced violently, 
by whites who are violently preventing black people from accessing the ballot. We have a word for that. It is apartheid. And that's what this country was from 1787 until 1965. But 1965, with the passage of the Voting Rights Act, is the most important piece of legislation in American history. It is the one that made the 15th Amendment mean something, which therefore made the 14th Amendment mean something, which therefore made the Civil War 100 years earlier, actually the gains of the Civil War actually be visited upon the people. It was so effective, the Voting Rights Act, that in a, uh, 40 years, essentially, one generation, you went from an oppressed people who could not reliably count on their ability to vote to a people that had enough voting power to help elect the first black president. So Barack Obama, so Voting Rights Act 1965, 40 years later, 43 years later, um, Barack Obama, 2008, um, he wins again in 2012, proving A, that it's not a fluke, and B, that no, the emerging minor majority of black and brown people in coalition can actually elect a president. And the first thing white people did once they realized that in 2012, that it wasn't a fluke, was to take away the Voting Rights Act. That's what John Roberts did in 2013 with Shelby County v. Holder, Holder eviscerating um, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, which prevented this, uh, which prevented basically the former Confederacy from changing their voting laws without uh, federal preclearance. Um, in 2021, they attacked it again, eviscerating Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. And those uh, those attacks on the Vi Voting Rights Act continue apace today. The first case or the second case the Supreme Court heard this term during its first week um, was called Merrill v. Mill Milligan, um, which basically will is, will involve the Supreme Court allowing Alabama to racist, racistly gerrymander their state that should have two majority black districts. Um, Alabama has seven congressional districts. Um, uh, that's the 27% uh, of the Alabama population is black. For those playing math at home, two of seven is 28%. So it, you, Alabama should have two majority black districts. They have one majority black district. Even the lower court said that the way that the Alabama drew their maps were racist, but the Supreme Court is gonna let them do that. Um, and in so doing, again, weaken the Voting Rights Act, which is designed right. to stop this. So we do have today, in several states, an apartheid system where the majority of people are being represented by the minority of people. And it's primarily because of gerrymandering and also not showing up to vote. Uh, but one would ask this question. I'm going to ask this question of you. Ellie Mastal is here. Having the vote for the last 50, coming up on 60 years, besides Barack Obama twice, what would you say is the greatest, you know, because people say, what's the point of voting? You know, look at look at my community it's still, you know, we're still blah, 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 blah. You know, there's still these 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 things that are not happening. There's still inequity. There's still, you know, uh, 60, 60, uh, you know, the, the pay equity. There's still, you know, there's still all of these disparities, um, even home ownership, wealth gap, blah, blah, blah. What is the vote? Ellie Mastal, if our, we don't even have communities that rival Black Wall Street today, like like that. I'm asking a question. I, lynchings have gone down. Hmm. My my George kids Floyd, can go. 
Hold on. Ahmaud no, Arbery, no, Breonna Taylor. Say, I didn't I'm, say lynchings went away. I said lynchings have gone down. See, here's the problem, Karen. People don't realize always how bad things used to be. Yes, we have not solved all these problems. We still have lynchings. We still have inequality. We still have a performance gap. We still have a wealth gap. We still have all these problems. But to say that those problems haven't been ameliorated in some way is just straight up wrong. My mother was born in 1950 in Mississippi, right? She knows about how, how, segregate, how segregation used to work in Mississippi. We don't got to deal with some of those things today. That just, that just ain't, we have different problems. We have serious problems, but we ain't got the same problems, right? It's not, it's not the same. Like the fact that I, uh, if I go into certain uh, 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 high-end stores um, on Fifth Avenue, um, it's very likely that the sales clerk will follow me around, reminding me of how expensive all of these things are, um, um, while you know, uh, uh, flicking a little emergency alarm button on on her desk. That could very well happen to me. She's not gonna kick me in the face and throw me through the window and get tell her get out of, out of her store. Can't do that no more, right? So like the the the, the progress might not. If you if you go for, far is that because back, of voting or is that because the climate in this country? I mean, again, I'm talking strictly to vote, right? Why does the climate change? I mean, because I don't mean why does uh, carbon, but I mean why does? I mean, I was I was just talking with a friend of mine. You know, growing growing up in the '80s, um, it I mean, there's a bubble where you know kids could play outside until the lights went on, and, and at least I you know I grew up in an all black community where you know it was you know. I wouldn't even say affluent, but just people could eat, you know, there was no poverty really. It was, you know, and there was this, this, there might've been race, racial issues, but it wasn't this. Do you know what I'm saying? And there was a, a period of Reginald Lewis and, and Butch Gray and, and, um, you know, Ed, you know, it was like John Johnson and like there were Oprah came out of the 80s. You know, it was like this, this, not just this hope and change, but there was, there was this notion that we no longer had to, you know, uh, sit at the back of the bus and all this other stuff. But the back of the bus, there was no vote when that Montgomery bus boycott happened, right? Black people couldn't vote in this country across the country. But yet change happened without a vote because but, people stood up and said, no, you can't treat me like this. And we're not going to get on your boat, bo- bus and give you our money. So capitulations happened. But the change was in part so that we could get the vote, right? Like, let's 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 be clear. Like, what a lot of these civil rights activists were working towards was that crowning achievement of the Voting Rights Act, nineteen sixty-five. The other thing is that, like, I that that I I also you know I was I also grew up in the eighties, and I and I kind of I feel like I understand what you're saying, but in terms of it not being like this it didn't feel like the uh the 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 white racism was quite in your face as much as it is today you know the white people weren't storming the capital um as as they are now the, the reason why that's happening though now is because black people have more power than we did in the 80s. It's because we have things like a black president. It's because of the fact that most likely the next speaker of the house is the next democratic speaker of the house when Nancy Pelosi is done with that job is going to be Hakeem Jeffries, the first black speaker of the house. It is because we have more economic, social and political power that now you see these MAGA white people acting like caged beasts. And it is is violent, it is frightening, 
but this is what caged animals do this you can make an argument that this is the white man's death throes and it is violent and scary and problematic but it is their they are they are lashing out in this mm -hmm. way because they are losing right. now losing <laughs> i'm enough of a student of history like rome lost for like 300 years <laughs> like it's, it's, it could be a long journey yeah okay <laughs> Lo gotcha. Losing your grip on, on global hegemony can take a long time. But, but, the, but what we're seeing right now, I believe, is the white man losing. And that's one of the reasons why we see so much violence and so much, and so much of this stuff is in your face. It is because of things like the vote that we're getting to this point, not in spite of it. Okay. Uh, that's, that's the, hope, that's the that hope that I got today. You're you going to stick to it, and I, I'm here with you. Listen, I want to have all of the hope in the world. I'm such a realist that I just can't. Uh, Ellie Mastal is here. Uh, we're having a conversation. Since you talked about accountability, yesterday we watched the verdict come down. Alex Jones, damn near a billion dollars in damages to the family uh, and I think a couple of journalists as well. Sandy Hook, uh, the killing of those little babies and uh, school workers and 900 i think 965 million dollars and and i was watching um the news last night and he was broadcasting live while the verdict was coming down uh trying to fundraise and i was like please all of you give him his money the people that support him give him all of your money because i know all that money's then going to go like to the people because i don't think they're going to get much money cuz it's going to stay in court is this accountability and and can this be the the doorway to holding Fox accountable, CNN accountable, uh, MSNBC, you know, all of the outlets. What's the one? Um, AON or, you know, America. Uh, OAN. OAN and uh, True, whatever. Is this the gateway to many other lawsuits to come with this these kind of damages? I, I don't think so. I Look, I am happy that this happened to Alex Jones. He definitely was defamatory. Um, um, as one of my, uh, Eddie Murphy in one of my favorite movies, Trading Places, says, seems to me the best way to make rich people sad is to make them poor people, right? Like that, they're, 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 I, I like the, the poetic karmic justice of that. In, in general, I am worried, I, defamation suits are, are problematic to me. Just from a straight up First Amendment perspective, I think it should be very, very hard to win a defamation claim. Clear, I completely agree with the verdict. Like Alex Jones defamed people. He is he is the exception that proves the rule. It You should have to do what Alex Jones did in order to uh, lose a defamation suit. And most of the times in most situations, that's not what Fox does. That's not what OAN does, right? They do horrible things. They lie all the time um, and what have you. But most of their programming is not I do not think defamatory. It okay. is wrong, problematic, um, shouldn't be on the air. You can get me to say all of those things, but defamatory needs needs to be a high standard for defamatory. And the reason why um, I'll, I'll, I'll admit totally to trying to cover my own backside here, because the minute that we get Fox to, and Tucker to, to, to face a, a multi-billion dollar defamation suit, that's the minute that some... Um, crazy white wing person comes after me and says, "Oh, Ellie defamed me by calling me a racist." Well, you do hate black people. That's not the point. Like whatever. Like 
right, whatever right, it is. Right. I mean, you know, and, you know like, I don't got nine hundred billion dollars to to, to to throw around. Neither so. does Alex Jones. But you know, and this is <laughs> as a journalist, you know, it's been one of the things that you feel a certain level of comfort in, but these people are not journalists, right? I mean, journalists in, in the, the underlying thought is you're making a, a concerted effort to find the truth as a journalist. Yes. If you're not making that concerted effort and you're just like you said, in this circle jerk of, well, I said it, you repeated it, rinse and repeat. It becomes a trending topic. We don't have to verify facts. I feel like there should be some accountability and that would restore, I think, that third wall, that, that, that thing that's saving us from tyranny, that would force people into becoming real journalists again. Because right now it's just clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. We don't have to verify anything. Oh, it was in TMZ. It was, in the, it was on page six. It was this place and that. So therefore it's true. It was in the New York Times' uh, newsletter. No, that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. There has always been muckrackers, though, right? There's always been bad journalists. We, we are not the first generation of humans that have had to suffer bad, misinformed uh, uh, um, journalism and lies, right? Ellie, like, Ellie, but that hasn't been the record, the paper record, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, there's always been yellow journalism and all of this, but it is so prevalent that it's the due north now, where I'm arguing with people that. Th- this is why this is not a, a legitimate story. And until this happens, we can't keep repeating it because it's just not legitimate until we get verification. <sighs> I don't know why we're in this place, but we are. All right. 866-801-8255. Let's take a couple of calls. we got to go to a break. Uh, I want to ask you about 50 Cent when we come back because uh, why not? I have Ellie here. I want to find <laughs> out what he thinks. Uh, but let's go to Reggie in Wisconsin. Welcome. Thank you for holding. All right. Yeah. Turn your radio down. Reggie, be ready. Everyone be yeah. ready or we're going to move on. Are you ready, Reggie? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, welcome. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm, I was listening to that guy talking, you know. Who, oh, Ellie? Ellie Mistal? Let's be respectful. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, Ellie Mistal. I'm sorry about that. But look, I don't understand why we as a country still to this day got to give a pass to supremacy. I don't understand that. It's, it, and it, it just it, it baffles me that we know it goes on and people just like they want to not talk about it. You know, it, and it's, it's enough black people in power, uh, African-Americans in power that we can actually do something about it. Why, why, why don't we bring back boycott? Think about yeah, it. Well, because they don't work. Unfortunately, not enough people want to sacrifice how we can't even stop watching football. It, we can't. Even, <laughs> we can't. I mean, you know, it's like it does. I've, I've, I've come to this conclusion. That it's just not going to work. We don't we don't have enough uh, sacrifice suffering in our DNA anymore. It's like we so forgot. Go ahead, I have this whole I have this whole different kind of uh, kind of rant, kind of nerdy rant that um, the thing that uh, that kills the ability to effectively boycott, to effectively marshal your economic power um, against ideas and corporations that you don't like um, is because we have failed to uphold antitrust laws like <laughs> that basically because. <laughs> Five companies own everything. Like, who do I boycott exactly? Right, because right. if I want to boycott, like, let's say I, uh, I, I really pick don't Amazon. want Amazon. Pick Amazon. Right? Cause they I don't want to boycott pick Amazon. Google. Right. Pick Does that mean that I also like can't watch uh, my favorite Twitch streamer because Amazon owns Twitch? Cause that's, that's a whole different thing. Does that also mean that I can't get, I have my book is available. My best selling book. Allow me to retort it. Black guys. <laughs> it's available on Audible. 
So are people who are boycotting Amazon, are they not supposed to go buy my book and listen to it on Audible? Yep, because, yep. I mean, so like the, 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 the corporate control over, you know, a, a couple of corporations owning everything really makes it hard to kind of marshal your economic activity against one thing or the other, right? You know, if I want to boycott Taco Bell and I go to Pizza Hut, guess what? Owned by the same damn company. <laughs> Yo, you are saying something. Um, Google owns a whole lot of things. Amazon, you can't go to Whole Foods. Uh, you probably can't go on several websites because they have, uh, you know, they have the storage of the mm. websites where they host the web. You know, it is it is tough. And, and also, I think people are very comfortable. They don't like to be un- uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? No discomfort. Like, if we had to do a bus boycott today, psh, child, it wouldn't happen. I promise you. forget how much during the bus boycott that the solution was walking. Right. To work <laughs> every day. <laughs> you know, in the heat <laughs> for a year. Right. Like, I just, in I, bad I, shoes. In bad I, shoes I, that you couldn't I, afford to replace. And as you, and as you point out, we can't, we can't get people... We can't people get people to not watch football on Thanksgiving, and we're it it it, it is it is difficult to marshal economic activity against people. The threat of it, though, still does. One of the weird things is that I mean, you were just talking about the J.P. Morgan story, and again, we don't know if that's true, but like. There are corporations that have put it like this. There are corporations that have acted more quickly. Um, on some of this uh, 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 bigotry and racism stuff, uh, than politicians for sure. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, right? I think you're. I think the threat, but we we have to just demonstrate, like you said, one day that we can do it, and then the threat is enough. It's like your mother. Your mother don't have to whoop your ass every day. It said that one good ass whooping <laughs> will keep you good for the next ten years because you know. And I'm not advocating whooping children's asses. I'm just going. I'm triggered right now. I'm going back to my childhood. Let's take uh, Leon. One good ass whooping is enough. To make you not do the thing anymore, Leon in Ohio. Thank you for holding. Welcome. Uh, oh, thank you for taking the call. Uh, this is fantastic. I love this guy, Ellie Mistal. Me too. Uh, if I'm saying it correctly, you are First, and second, indeed. All oh, right, you you're fantastic. You do your homework. You get it done. The other point is that uh, uh, Miss Miss Hunter said something that that she did some research on a, on uh, some news and she wanted to get to the the source of it and she found out basically it's sort of like a closed loop kind of thing kudos to you miss miss Karen Hunter and 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 mr uh, miss Dahl, I I don't know what else to say we we need voices like yours yelling from from the the rooftops or someplace out in the where where your information is so vital to what we need to hear that we don't hear every day. We keep hearing stupid stuff about Herschel Walker. Who is he? That's upside down, backwards, and stupid. Well, he could uh, be a U.S. He, senator, so it's not like we can just dismiss him, unfortunately. But can I um, say something quickly about Herschel? Sure. Uh, 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 like the, the one of the things where I think the media, talking about the media, where it really gets it wrong is that every time they find some they find some black person coming out of the woodwork being like I still support Herschel and then it's all black people support Herschel like, man there are we already know this there are 10 to 15% of black men are going to vote for the republican candidate in every election and they do it every year it's not surprising what do people think that Herschel Walker was going to get less black support than any other Republican would have? 
I did not think that. I thought that Herschel Walker would get the same 10 to 15% of black men that David Perdue would have gotten or Kelly Loeffler would have gotten or, you know, a, 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 any any Republican with an R next to his name would have gotten 10 to 15% of black men to vote for them. Herschel Walker is doing the same. Black people aren't falling for Herschel Walker. He's just, he's just, it's just this, it, the only people falling for it are the same black people who vote for every Republican any damn way. So, so the, 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 the problem with his candidacy is, to me, it's the white people that are voting for him, right? Because yes. what Herschel Walker represents is how white people think of us, oh. right? What Herschel Walker represents is how white people think black men are, right? Big, dumb, strong, stupid, shady, pliable. That's how they think that we are. You said pliable. Oh, let's oh, let's sit in that. Ellie Mastyle is here. Allow me to re- retort. New York Times bestselling author, justice correspondent for the nation. He is here. We're having a conversation. I just saw this January 6th panel thing. They they have uh, voted to subpoena Donald J. Trump. What's, what's the consequence of him not showing up? Nothing. Right. That's nothing. That's, I mean, y'all, that's, come on. He'll, he'll, he won't show up, and they'll refer him to the contempt for Congress, and that referral will go to Merrick Garland, and Merrick Garland will have the choice of whether or not to charge Donald Trump with contempt of Congress or not. He did charge uh, uh, Steve Bannon. He did not charge Mark Meadows. I guess we'll see what happens in 2023. Okay. All right. Uh, Deborah in the Nubia chat says, as usual, the show is fire. So glad that Ellie Mastal is on. He's a force, and I also want to know his night regimen for his hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, see, I sleep without the touch and the pillow. So, no. <laughs> do you have, do you sleep with a silk bonnet or do rag? What what you got going, Ellie? No, it's, it's it's all natural, man. I just, I just you just blessed with the hair that grows to the sky, and all you just, you just pick it out. Uh, no berries from Wakanda or no, Zamunda. No, nothing. Juices. No, and berries. I look. I use shea products for 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 washing and conditioning because. Okay. I know how I know what to, I know what to do. I put some VO5 in it from VO5. Come on through from back in the day. You put do you actually use VO5? I use VO5. That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, 866. I was going to ask you about 50 Cent and his son, but I think I'm going to say that for Friday. That's just too much. This rapid. is the child support thing? Yeah, there's too much. I know, you know, I, I was just thinking as a dad, what would you do if your son ever, you know, and but you would never be in that situation. You have a lot of situation. Give, yeah, because you don't got babies and mamas. You got a, a whole ass wife. Oh, I thought because I don't have $67,000, but also because I don't. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> also because I don't have that. Okay. Well, that problem. problem. Right. Yeah, I don't look. I don't. You try not to get involved. But yeah, don't you, get involved. Say less, please. Let's don't don't. Let's go okay. to the caller because that's just just too ratchet for you. Michael in Texas, <laughs> welcome to the Carrot Hunter Show. You're all with Ellie Mustal. Thank you, Karen. How you been doing? I'm awesome. Congratulations on thank you. Congratulations on eight years. Uh, I started listening to you, and uh, I was one of the few guests to agree with you about Trump getting elected. So. Uh, we went way back. I used to talk to you back then, but getting the Alan Mustar, uh, hey guy, I, I really respect you and love what you do on television and how you bring it. Uh, but we got a big election down here. They always redistricting our districts for Abbott to stay in office, but I can't believe we was, Texas had two governors back to back. That's idiots. And I just don't know what we need to do down here to try to win this for better. And what's your feelings on it? 
All right. So I'm glad you brought this up, but I'm going to start. I'm going to get to Texas, but I got to start in L.A. to get to Texas. You will see why. So, okay. If you guys have been following what's happened in L.A., right, we've got the uh, the, the city councilwoman saying some horribly racist things um, about this uh, white man's black son, um, and she has had to resign. But one of the things that but, – but and so people have heard, like, the tapes from this conversation. It's a bad conversation. Um, she's resigned. That That is appropriate in my estimation. But the conversation started because they were talking about redistricting. And they were talking about redistricting so that they could have more Latino representation on the Los Angeles City Council at the expense of African-Americans living in Los Angeles, right? They weren't redistricting to to cut into the white power in L.A. They were redistricting to cut into the black power in L.A. And that is significant because one of the things that we have to understand is we talk about the emerging majority in this country, the emerging majority minority nation that we're going to be. Blacks and other immigrant groups have to stick together or else the white man wins, right? White people are going to vote overwhelmingly for the Republican candidate in, for president in every election. The white Republican, the Republican candidate for president has won the white vote in every presidential election since 1964. Wow. That's not a phase. That's what white people do. And so if we're going to beat them, everybody else has to stick together. But white people know this too. And so one of their tricks consistently throughout American history has been to basically grant whiteness to the next immigrant group up. They did it with the Italians, they did it with the Irish, they've done it with Eastern Europeans. They uh, have tried to do it with Asian Americans. They tried to do it with Muslims and Arab Americans before September 11th and uh, granting them model minority status bring them into the white fold to cleave that otherwise natural coalition between black African-American people who were born here and are not immigrants and emerging immigrant communities. So when you look at the LA story for, for all of its like drama, what it is is it, it goes to the heart of this issue. Can blacks and Latinos stick together no. for their mutual interests they can't. to overcome no. white uh, uh, white candidates, and that's how I get back to Texas. Because the only reason Texas is Republican, it's not is because it's a non-voting state. It's because Latinos and Blacks in Texas do not stick together and vote for each other, and that is why Republicans are able to win in Texas. And because and so whiteness, that, wait, because they have made these people who speak Spanish believe that they can be co-opted into this white power structure. They look at black people as the enemy and they look at themselves as part of the white power structure. So they can never. This is some sick ish. Indeed, that, to be white in America, part of being white in America, oh part of the um, the American experience, immigrant experience is learning how to hate black people. You don't come to America knowing how to hate black people. You got to learn that here. And once you graduate to the point, Italians, Irish people, once you graduate to the point where you have learned how to hate black people, then guess what? You get to be just like every, you get to be a white person, right? And so, but where has it failed in the past, right? That I think over the past two or three years, I think Asian Americans have learned just how quickly these white people will turn on them, right? <laughs> If they if they ain't careful, you see you see what happens through this uh, 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 last two or three years. 
Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app. 